Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Episode 275, The Angel Experiment. The Magical Adventures of Corinne Grillo. And we're here with the author of The Angel Experiment, Corinne, uh, coming to us from California. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm probably a little warmer than you are. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good. No, we're excited to talk about The Angel Experiment. And so I've been reading through the book all this week. It's an interesting book. You really present it um, in a way that you don't necessarily have to be, because myself, I'm not the world's biggest angel guy. You know, let's just, I'll get, I'll get that out there right now. Just laying it right out. That's great. That's great. You're not the biggest angel guy. I totally relate. I was not the biggest angel woman for a while. And so um, what inspired you to get behind? And plus as someone, if you were, you were a psychotherapist in your past. Yes. And then you come on and you release this book. I kind of like, what was the moment? You know, there, there has to be that one moment you decide to go full weirdo. And um, what, you know, what was the moment that you went over and joined us on this side? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, there was, yes, a big moment actually that happened. Uh, at the time I was, you know, clinically trained a psychotherapist and helping kids uh, helping rescue gang kids off the street in the streets of Los Angeles. And, um, you know, even though I had this like great career on the outside, on the inside, I suffered a lot with depression for severe depression for decades, just kind of white knuckling through life and <laughs> drinking a bunch, you know, like a fifth of tequila every couple of days. And, you know, I was, I was living the life, let's put it that way. Sure. And, uh, and, um, a friend of mine bought an angel reading for me just for fun, right? It was like this lighthearted thing. So I think I'm going to go, oh, let's go talk to a psychic. Yay. Right. And I don't know exactly what an angel reading is. So okay, you're so going to have to let me in on that. Okay. So an angel reading is like people who focus on talking to angels for you and you get like angel messages. And and she was also an angel healer. And I had never had one of these sessions either. So okay. I, I think I'm just going to run of the mill, you know, psychic and uh, just, you know, I always kind of had fun and been curious about things like that. But sure. but uh, now the girl who bought me this angel healing had no idea what I was really going through. Right. Because I used to I used to know how to play, play it, play it straight uh, in front of the crowd. Right. People oh, are yeah. living. I mean, living the functional lifestyle. I think uh, a lot of musicians have been there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. And I'm, I got the creative side in me. So uh, yeah, so but I was living a du duplicitous life looking appearing to be high functioning on the outside, but on the inside, really struggling to live. I mean, wanting to live. And back then, literally, my only prayer was that that day would be my last. And the thing really that kept me alive was, was my daughter, you know, so I was I was too much of a of a wuss to kind of take my own life. But in my early 20s, I, uh, I, I definitely did a lot of things that might lead me to death. Luckily, I didn't die. So yeah, it was a really rough go for the first several decades of, of my life. So anyways, go to this woo, psychic, right? 
And uh, I'm sitting with her and she starts giving me all of these, all of this, she starts dropping down the wisdom about my life. And I didn't tell her a thing about my life and nobody knew about the stuff. And it's all the stuff I like, I didn't want to talk about, right? But all the stuff I needed to talk about and needed to hear. So I was like, okay, there's something legit about this lady. I'm listening. And when she got into the energy healing, do you know what an energy healing is, Mike? Uh, you know, no, <laughs> well, let's do it. Okay. Well, you know, we, we all have energy bodies and a lot of paranormal experiences happen on the energetic level, you know, things flying across the room and, and, you know, it's a ball of energy. So we are made of, we're made of energy. So an angel healing helps correct your energy field. You know, we have this physical body and then we have an energy body. Most people don't know about the energy body. Uh, and because we don't, we end up never giving it, never servicing it. So imagine you've been, you know, for 40 years, you have this thing that you've never checked the engine, you've never changed the oil, you've never done all of that. So that can often pollute our system and make us depressed and anxious and carry a lot of uh, energy and emotions that we don't need. Anyways, that's a side note. That makes me interested, though, um, as someone who was a psychotherapist at the time, mm-hmm. um, if you'd you'd had these feelings, like what led you, is that kind of was depression what led you into psychotherapy in the first place? Like, you're like, well, maybe if I can help other people, I can help myself. Well, it's not like that conscious decision. It's not like, oh yeah, I need to help myself. Therefore I'm going to help other people. It's just that, uh, the, I was always kind of predisposed to talking to people and helping them one-on-one, even when I was younger and suffering. I, I remember sitting at school in college and going, oh my gosh, if I could just get paid to talk to people, this is what I would do. But I never like, I don't know why I didn't think of therapy at the time, but yeah, I just have always loved helping people. Um, and you know, because of my childhood and a lot of things that happened, you know, I'm, I, I, Anybody can tell me anything. I'm not going to judge anything that's happening. So, um, so yeah, but at the time I didn't really acknowledge the energy body, right? So this is my first, um, energy healing session. And I started feeling some pretty intense things flowing through my body, like tingles and things, you know, it's just, I, I could feel something happening when she was doing the session. And so after the session, I felt so much lighter and brighter uh, more hopeful. Well, what happens during an energy healing session? Do you guys like hold hands and close your eyes and think, well, I'm just, you know, in this kind of thing, because a lot of times um, when they talk about traditional religious healing, the laying on of hands and things seems, to, I mean, that is exactly what you're talking about that, you know, they had, they would have a thing for it in the church where priests would do that. They would put the hands on the person and uh, yeah. try to focus God's healing through them. And what, what did you guys do in an energy healing? And first of all, were you like cynical? And then all of a sudden you felt something and like, wait, I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing because, because I had, you know, was already kind of going through a rough patch. I was kind of open-minded about it. You know, I was like, okay, well let's give it a shot. Plus I already knew about Reiki. You may have heard about Reiki. Um, so, so I was really open to energy work. I had just not done it on myself. Uh, in years. So I was open to it. And at this stage, you know, she spent about a solid 30 minutes telling me about my life and stuff she shouldn't know. So there was an opening for me to go, okay, maybe this stuff is real. I'll just give it a shot. So, so yeah, when I started feeling it, I was like, wow, okay, I'm feeling something now. And to be honest, this, uh, 
I, I now teach this stuff, right? I teach this now to people all over the world because that's how much it impacted my life and how much it woke me up to going, oh my God, this stuff is real. Okay, so, but this is just like the session. It was really what happened after the session that was the event. And so she, I leave the session and she tells me, okay, Corinne, um, you, when you leave here, I want you to know you have angels. Everybody has angels and you need to talk to your angels as if they're real. You need to ask for their help. And I said, all right, I'll give it a shot because that was like super awesome, what just happened back there. And so I started talking to them and then I started noticing synchronicities, um, maybe like, for example, turning on the radio and it playing an angel song. Or uh, just when I'm thinking about angels, a truck would go by with angel wings on it. Or and- that, that you were watching TV and then the Sarah McLaughlin ad, the arms of the angel comes on <laughs> with the sad animals. Yeah, yeah, like that kind of thing. I mean, and the thing is, it was like happening at, at, at a rapid rate. It wasn't like subtle. It was just like all day long by me talking to angels. I'm seeing this stuff. Uh, happening. And I started feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. This is great. Okay. So, all right, angels were playing. So that went on for a couple of days and I, I had already felt so much better in my body, in my life. It was like, I felt like this weight had lifted. And so I had started believing in angels, you know, officially starting to believe like, okay, there's something going on here. That's really weird. Now I am a psychotherapist, so I know what sounds crazy. Right. So, so, you know, but it's happening. So what am I going to do? Deny it. But it was really the craziest thing that happened was on day three, when I was driving down the hood, uh, through the hood in LA, going to one of my client's house, and um, it's like broad daylight. No one else is on the street, but this bird drops, lands right in front of me and drops from the sky, lands right in front of me. It's about pigeon size. And okay. as I drove around it, the one wing was uh, trying to push itself up. The, the bird was kind of scooting around a little bit, but I could see like the other wing was mangled. And so I was like kind of, you know, it's kind of fairly grotesque feeling like, Oh my God, this is like so sad right now. What's happening. And here I am in this angel bliss and then bam, like bird carnage right in front of me. What's this about? And so, um, but I did the thing, you know, I did what I'd been doing the last couple of days, which is talking to angels. So I asked the angels to take this bird, uh, out of its suffering as I drove around it. I just kind of kept, you know, praying and doing, you know, the thing. And, uh, as I looked in the rearview mirror, I watched the bird start shimming a little bit on the ground. And uh, as I kept on watching, a bird hopped up, a small, tiny bird about this size, about an inch or two tall, uh, hopped up from that bird, flew away. Then a second bird hopped up from the body of that bird and flew away. And then a third bird that was a little smaller, a little wobblier, jumped up from the body of that bird and flew away. And well, when I read about this in the book, that's where I was like, first of all, I was not expecting that coming. I was like, oh, the bird would just get up. Like I knew I was like, the bird's going to get up and fly away. Not that the bird is going to weirdly reproduce. I know. It's weird. Like, and, and divide itself. It so divided. It was, yeah, divided. So was the bird body still, was the original bird body still there? No, that's the thing. And, you know, usually what I would do when I'm driving through the hood as a single woman out there, I'm not going to get out of the car because it's dangerous, right? Yeah. Right. But after I saw that, I got out of the dang car and went to go inspect and there was no body left on the ground. And I'm telling you, I could feel like uh, what's the word? It's like goosebumps. I call them angel bumps. But it was like the static in the air. And I re- and this incredible love uh, feeling. And I really don't have words to describe the feeling that went along with that. But I knew that I had just witnessed a miracle. At least I thought I did. And it really changed me. Well, I find that interesting, too, because it seems like 
um, that's like classical religious ecstasy you experience, uh, you know, when you're talking about the bliss, um, the feeling and the, the static in the air, that there's something, Ooh. you know, otherworldly happening, or at least outside of what we would consider our mainstream physical uh, materialist experience. And I love that, you know, that's happening to you like in just out of nowhere. <laughs> it, it's and, and those experiences are, I think, the most interesting because we, when we think of um, religious or ecstatic experiences, you think, well, it's got to come through like a, a monk that meditates for a week or would come through the guy in the monastery that's beating himself with the, you know, the hair shirt and like cat and nine tails or whatever, like for his sins. And <laughs> those, that those things have to come through periods of intense physical manifestation, or it happens to, you know, people's, uh, blow it out of their minds having mushroom trips in the Amazon rainforest kind of yeah. thing. You that's when you expect to have religious ecstasy oh, or that's when you touch the face of God. But in a, in several situations um, that we've talked about previously in the show too, even historically people have had like just been doing something else, thinking about something else. And then, uh, you know, something happens. There was uh, Mary Chenoweth was a psychic in the, um, late 19th century in Wisconsin, and she used to call it the power. And okay. she was a regular just a school teacher, but then the power would give her ideas and eventually it made her a uh, millionaire, uh, okay. you know, kind of thing. But okay. she was like sweeping the floor and all of a sudden she was struck by it. Okay. And th okay. that kind of happened. So your experience really okay. reminded me of that, of that, um, these uh, ecstatic experiences that people have had uh, mm -hmm. throughout history where it's not, you didn't, you weren't like, oh my God, I touched the, I, I touched the face of Jesus after I meditated for a week. It was, I was driving and I hit a bird. And so in the least, in the least expected times. Uh, and, and so I, I thought that was really uh, an interesting kind of origin f that turns you into like, you know what? I'm a skeptic about angels, but I saw three birds emerge from one bird's dead body. Uh, I'm in. <laughs> I, I was definitely in. I was I was listening for sure after that. And yeah, I mean, what are the odds driving through a ghetto in Los Angeles that it's going to happen there? And the bird just stopped me right in my tracks, essentially. But, um, but yeah, no, and what's cool is not just the event that happened, it's what transpired afterwards, where it was like, that was just the first miracle of many miracles that happened in my life, just me sitting here talking to you today. It's like, it's still, it's still manifesting from that first moment. You know, when they said we were talking to angels, or when you got that first angel healing, you know, when we think of angels, there's a couple of, of ways that people think about them traditionally. First of all, you have the idea of the angel of the person sitting on the cloud playing the harp and, you know, saying hallelujah all day. Or you have the idea of uh, John Milton and his army of angels, you know, fighting off Satan and that kind of business. Uh -huh. So um, what what kind of angels are, are these that you deal with in the angel experiment? Yeah, I mean, you know, technically they're archangels. I see them as frequencies. So it's more like working um, alchemy. And so angels, they, the different angels have different frequencies, different vibrations. Um, I have yet to see one show up playing a harp. 
mostly I feel the presence. And so I'm, I'm an empath. I can feel the presence of spirit or angels when they're with me and they feel different, very different than if it's a, just a regular spirit or a ghost. Um, and, and so there's a lot of debate as to what angels really are. Some people think they're interdimensional beings, space aliens. Some people think, you know, they're off in some, you know, heaven up there. All I know is that they're right here right now for all of us. And they can help us with the most practical things, right? They can help us open up a career path, a life purpose, help us manifest a, a better life, cash, health. All, I mean, all of these things. And so this is that, that day started my journey and really discovering um, how to continue to work with, with this, these energies practically to help serve my clients. Um, although it was kind of tricky introducing angel work into my clientele. Oh yeah. Cause th that's not covered by insurance. Like psychotherapy is covered by insurance, but like when you start throwing in being like, okay, well today we're going to talk to Raziel <laughs> and he's the angel and you're like, what? And then, you know, all of a sudden the insurance companies like denied. I so know. how do you, how do you sneak that in there? It was so awkward. It was so awkward in the beginning because here I am, you know, it, it was like confronted with my, with my traditional education and then the truth of what was emerging. And here I am sitting with the suffering, someone sitting in front of me. And so really what started happening is that they're telling me, oh my gosh, I want to die and all this stuff. And then I, I could no longer, you know, hold it back because I could feel the presence of angels starting to come into the room. And like at a certain point, you just got to go, hey, you want to try something weird? And that's really how I would start. I would start doing angel healing on them. And, and when they're really like when people are really suffering, just like when I was really suffering, no one's going to kick anything good out of bed. They'll try anything if they're suffering. So I started um, introducing that. And then uh, when people started healing radically, like started having radical, fast mental health cures and all of this stuff. I mean, we had people who were crying for six months. I remember this woman, she had postpartum and she just couldn't freaking sleep and she, she couldn't be happy and she's suffering deeply. Yeah. And, and so I did, I did 20 minutes of angel work with her. She was open to it. Cause again, she didn't even have, people don't even have to believe in it. Like I'll believe in it for you. And the spirit believes in it for you. You don't have to believe in it. Just be open to it. So she, uh, she was open to it. And I, she had emailed me a couple of days later saying, ever since our session, I've been able to sleep and I stopped crying. So. Well, you know, and is, is it really that much different than like Freudian dream analysis or, you know, things like that? You know, when you, you go in there and you're uh, saying, okay, let's take a different tack mm -hmm. than what we've been doing. Uh -huh. And even if it's, you know, e even if you're dealing with it on a symbolic level, um, that seems to still have an effect. Yeah, I leave it open for people. People, if people feel better thinking that angels are just inner symbols and archetypes, fine, I'll work with that. All I know, I'm not here to, to, to split hairs with people. I'm just here to do the work. So believe whatever you want to believe and I'll believe what I believe, but we're going to, we're going to handle some business. And it's interesting too, because when you're talking about angels and reading through the different days and the different exercises of the angel experiment, which really to me seems like a, um, well, like a, almost like a grimoire when you think of the idea that you are doing these experiments to, um, and exercises that try to point your life in the right direction or, you know, point you in, into getting what you want out of your life, which a lot of times is not being sad all the time or feeling, uh, healing from grief and not only depression, but just 
trauma, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so all those kind of things. And it, it's interesting because we interviewed Dr. Dean Radin about his book, Real Magic, last year. We were talking about that. And when you get into chaos magic, um, it certainly um, has the same kind of thing. I mean, you are, they conjure entities, mm-hmm. you know, is part of it where it's like you ask this particular entity for help and you ask this, you know, and um, they have this, they go through and these entities are all out of this like 17th century book of different demons and angels. And it's, Enochian, it's I think it's an Enochian magic. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. And yeah. it's exactly, it's, it's the same kind of idea. Uh, that you guys are doing in, in the angel experiment. And I just thought that was interesting because it's like a different spin on it. Mm-hmm. So chaos magicians have a certain, they're all, they're always trying to do things to like, um, some, it seems I'm on the chaos magic Reddit board or whatever. And I saw I read what people talk about <laughs> and you know, the people are talking about, they're doing things like, well, I'm trying to do magic to get a better job or trying to do magic so I can be better with my girlfriend, all these different kinds of things. Uh-huh. And that's, they're, they're using that mode because it works for them. Uh-huh. And so you can see that people who were maybe a little fluffier uh, would, well, then dudes who are dressed up in all black and that kind of thing, they're not going to be sitting there like, I'm going to go talk to angels. They're going to go talk to stuff from a 17th century creature <laughs> or something. And so this is the kind of thing where people can a- achieve the same kind of thing, I think. Uh, but who may not be, or who may be scared because they might think those like magic stuff is satanic or whatever. Right. It's like the association with the the occult is like a little too much for them sometimes, but yeah. And so, um, you know, getting into it, how did you start differentiating who the angels were? Like when I'm going down the list, um, from Michael, Metatron, Azrael, Uriel, you know, it just, I mean, you get a whole bunch of them and they're all. Uh, based out of um, the Bible and the to- the Talmud and things like that, how, how do you differentiate uh, one angel from the other? Like, is he like, "Hey, I'm Michael. How you do?" I mean, or does he look like you know John Travolta did in the movie? <laughs> you know, it's so funny because the first time I would connect with Archangel Michael, I'd like developed a crush on him. I mean, that's probably really an inappropriate, but it's okay. The angels know who I am. Uh, <laughs> They know I'm a little inappropriate. So. Well, and they also know humans are humans. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't care. Um, but um, so yeah, some of it is from research and and working with these uh, energies intuitively. So over the years, I've been working more deeply with opening up my intuition and and learning more about energy and learning how to do more healing work and stuff like that. And you know, always being guided from spirit into what I was going to learn. Um, but really when it came to the set, the 21 days of, um, the angel experiment and how I set up the days, I would sit every day and ask for, um, an archangel to come forward. Cause I wanted to mostly work with the archangels. And then I would essentially channel the feeling or the new thought or the opening that they wanted to give the people for that day. And so, I learned about them also through experience, not just through books. I mean, I did put explanations, general explanations of the archangels in there, but I really don't want people to get stuck on any, how anyone else defines anything. I much prefer people to enter into this field of possibility and magic and discover for themselves the truth. Okay. Cause I thought I was saying like specifically, like if you look into the history of some of the angels, right, you know, it's that Michael is, I mean, he's, the leader of God's army, uh-huh. you know, Eric, Eric Roberts plays him in the prophecy too. 
uh, you know, if you want to, but that, that movie is all about the war in heaven or whatever. I think John, John Travolta played him too. That's right. No. Yeah. John Travolta played in the movie, Michael, Yeah, and he, like sprouts wings and part of it. Now, no, I saw it in the theater. Um, but also, so he's the leader of the army of God and he's the angel of death that carries souls from earth to heaven. Is it like a specific, if you look at the different origins or what people said he did in the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And so then like, how does he present himself? Or when you, when you're, when you're going in there and you're saying, okay, I want to set people up with angels. Why start with Michael? Or how did you know? Um, that, I mean, he, I think it's weird to use a gender for um, creations that do not reproduce sexually. So they are gender free, but uh, how would you, um, you know, how did you know that Michael was a good one to start with? Uh, Well, Michael is just the the ultimate um, uh, kick, kick butt warrior. And you know, what we're all up against is a bunch of negativity and fear-based energy. And so working with Archangel Michael, if that's all people did, they would still see major results, right? Because he's really good at, at well, he, right? Well, you know, but, but people, right. people experience the presence of Archangel Michael in different ways. So if I'm standing up and I invoke him, do an invocation, my whole body it's like he lands on my feet and my whole body like tips forward. So then I know, okay, that's Michael. Some people, some or sometimes you can just feel a lot of heat. So when people, you know, so everybody has their own unique um, feeling about how these archangels will appeal to them. And so that's why I don't, like to give a lot of rules of thumb. It's just, you know, I'm all about experimenting and you practice and you practice and you practice until you get a certain result. And so, okay. So, Let's start with, I mean, so Michael feels like you feel like you're going to tip over. Like it's a. For me. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's a, it's an overwhelming, like, Hey, Corinne, how you doing? I know. It's um, cool. And uh, so when people are trying out the angel experiment, like what can they expect to try to do? So I think, so people don't, do they think that they have to have their like own room in an hour a day for some kind of meditation? Do they need candles? Do they need special pillows? Like. <laughs> Uh, if somebody said, oh, Corinne, I'm buying your book. Um, what do I need to, you know, what do I need to do to get ready to give myself three weeks of giving it a shot? Yeah. Okay. Well, I walk everybody through step by step with exactly what to do. I do recommend creating a sacred space in your house if you don't have one. And that's just really, you know, a place that people go to kind of connect with spirit or pray, but that could be like as simple as a little candle or maybe just a little crystal. Uh, it could be really elaborate. So I give different options in the book. Um, and it really, it really is a beautiful thing to do to create a little sacred space in your home because you're constantly reminding yourself you're engaged in, in an experiment and you're calling in the sacred into your life. And I just find I, when you go I agree with it. you on that completely. And it's, it's funny because I used to think that was just BS. Um, I had a, one time we were, my band was touring and we were through, um, oh, like way up North in Minnesota. Like it's like almost a Fargo. Like we were at the, it's the edge of the world, like the headwaters of Bemidji, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And um, you play two nights and you'd stay with this couple who did all the booking and everything. And we brought some crew with us one time and we were looking for places for the crew to sleep. And she's like, oh, well, they could sleep in here, but this is kind of, it's kind of like my female sacred space and bringing in the energy is weird. And, you know, I'm sitting there like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, like, come on, you know, but then I realize that it's, 
the things that make it sacred, the things that make things special, like, I, you know, I, that, that's how I think of like a, a performance or on stage. They're like you, you treat it sacred and it does change everything around it by, and, and those arbitrary rules that I used to think were so silly or whatever are what makes it work. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. So that's, that's where you're, you know, when you're saying that, um, I would say like 20 years ago, I'd have been like, give me a break, Karen, sacred space. Just use the, just use the corner and shut up. Uh, but no, I, I, I think you're 100% like that idea of creating that. In I think that changes just by creating that space in your house in the first place. Yeah. Is a is a start and will change things a little bit. Oh gosh, it is so true. I've had such incredible things happen just by setting up a sacred space. Whether it's like at a hotel, I, I have a travel sacred space that I take with right. me. <laughs> it's smaller, it's cute, it's petite, but you know it works. Um, but yeah, I love it. I've had incredible experiences just setting one up in like a new house, you know, and you could just feel like the radiance. It's it's just like this beautiful portal to spirit. And yeah, if you kind of create a sacred space inside your home, then your home becomes sacred, your life becomes sacred. And, and, uh, I've, and I have lots of people writing to me about how much they love that process and they had never done it before, but they just love that process. So many people, maybe they go to church and they think of just church as being the only place that's sacred, but what happens when you can just bring it right, right next to you? And so that's the the first step is that in, in, in another 21 days is make that space in your home. Um, then once they kind of get that going, what do you think is the next important thing? So then get ready so that they can give the 21 days the best, uh, you know, the best shot they can, the, the best college the try they best can. Best shot. Okay. It's really important that if you're going to do the 21 day angel experiment, that you have to read every section of the book. I set, I, I, I have a section called pro tips for success and it's super easy read, but it tells you kind of what to look for and, and how to kind of think of things. And some, some of this stuff takes a little mind shift, a little quick mind shift. So, uh, read through that because, uh, we just want you to be set up properly. And I, I really want you to treat this, it, it, it is an experiment. It's just that your life is the laboratory. And so be prepared to keep records, have something you could keep records of cool experiences. We just talked about synchronicities amping up when you're working with angels uh, and people start getting um, feeling peace right away. As a matter of fact, someone just posted something in one of my, uh, my seven day miracle challenge Facebook group. And there's a lot of people who just got the book and they're sharing their experiences. But someone yesterday just, she said, I just got the book and this in my mailbox. And it was a check for $12,000. She said, I didn't know this was coming, but now I don't have to take out a loan. I'm like, great. <laughs> well, right. Well, that's like, I mean, that's the kind of synchronicity we'd all like to get. Yeah. I know, but just that that's possible. I just love, you know, because uh, we have a robust community online and we love sharing these cool stories, right? So we love hearing, I love hearing about this stuff. I mean, I, it never gets old for me. It just deepens my, my kind of faith that this stuff is real. And the more that we're all privy to the fact that you have allies that are sitting right there. I mean, you know, angels, they, they, we need to make them cool again because angels are cool and they're here for everybody. And it doesn't matter if you're religious or on a certain spiritual path or not a certain spiritual path or whatever. It doesn't matter. They don't care. So you shouldn't either. Well, you know, I would say that if you guys want to think angels are cool, watch the prophecy because Christopher Walken's an angel and anything he's in is going to be cool. Um, it's not like <laughs> Valerie Bertinelli and touched by an angel or whatever. I mean, I can, I can see if you like that, but I can see where people are like, well, so I'm with you. I do think that there's a way to make angels cool. And um, 
that's a, it's it, it's a good crusade to be on. <laughs> you, what I think here, though, that it's important. You just said like read every section of the book um, if you're going to try it, and that gets back to is that idea in magic. Uh, the important part isn't necessarily it, it, it's not necessarily that the intention's always there, even though the intention is important, but the ceremony. Um, like even if your intention isn't there, going through every aspect of the ceremony, I would have like boiling the eye of newt, like make sure it's boiled or whatever. You got to go through those parts of the ceremony to make it work. So no matter how silly the ceremony feels, and even if you feel it's silly, it seems to be that the process of the ceremony going through each bit of it is what helps somehow your unconscious or the angels or God or universe or whatever you want to say, it helps you point it in the right direction. And it's the ceremony that counts. And so I just wanted to get like, when you said like, we'll read the entire book, like that's giving it the college try or whatever is by going through each piece. And it seems to be that that's how quote unquote magic works. You have to go through each piece. Yeah, I think preparation, you know, preparation. And the beginning of the book is really easy to get through. You can burn through it in like a day or like a couple hours probably. So, but it is important not to skip ahead because by in, by opening yourself up to these steps and really giving it the old college try, um, you're really setting yourself up for success. And we are hardwired for ceremony. Ritual is fun. And we forgot how to do ritual. You know, in the West, we don't really get into it the way uh, we probably did in the past. But sure. but it just feels good. We, we People like it. And it helps open us up to um, these beautiful benevolent forces that are there right now to support us. Well, you know, I think that's an interesting point, too, because I think about uh, when I went to church in my youth, and it was just a drag. And you're like, oh my God, church. And then um, when I would have friends that went to like Latin countries for study abroad and things, they'd be like, yeah, we all went to church on Sunday. And it was awesome because like everybody went, the whole community went. And then we were talking around afterwards, like the community-based part of it, like the ritual was important to it. And that created like where it was fun um, to go even though it was the same mass, just in Spanish instead of English and Latin, right? And you're like, ah, oh, man, like it was always just a bummer for me. So you are you are correct. I think we 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 gave rituals a bad name uh, in the West, and so people are scared of it because they're just like, oh, I've been to trust me, I've been to church, I know what happens. <laughs> Exactly. I know there's been so much bad press about ritual, about angels. I mean, we're, we got to bring the sexy back to all of that stuff. <laughs> well, and, and so we should talk about some of the other angels and who are like your favorites of the, of the ones that um, you feel have you've connected with. Um, first of all, the, you, you already said the angels are on different frequencies and they feel different. So like, what's, what's your favorite frequency? Oh gosh. I think it just depends on, on what I'm going through and what I'm doing, you know? So, so I've noticed for me, if I go through different initiations or I'm working with different things, like let's say writing this book. So when I was writing this book, Archangel Raziel was around a lot, really kind of helping me. And it's so interesting because the cover of this book, um, was done by my, uh, 
by my publisher, but they put sacred geometry behind there. I never talked to them about sacred geometry. I don't even, I don't even talk about sacred geometry in, in the book, but they put sacred geometry on there and Archangel Raziel governs that stuff. He's the the keeper of secrets. Yeah. He's the keeper of secrets, a master magician. So he is all over this book. He was helping me essentially bring the power to, of the ritual. And so they, you know, they infuse the work that I do, the, whatever courses they infuse it with their energy. So Raziel was like, was, uh, you know, showing up even in the, on the cover here. And, um, and so it depends on what I'm doing. So in the beginning, Archangel Michael, right. He had his work cut out for me, uh, because I was living so dark and in such a dark place. So he, he really helped, I feel, usher me out of a really dark period in my life and, and help open up my, my energy channels in my life to not, not all that fear-based stuff, but I was able to begin hearing the voice of love and, and, um, the voice of hope and inspiration and possibility. And really the things I do today, uh, never could have been possible without the angels because I, I did not believe in myself. I had an extraordinarily low self-esteem. I didn't feel like I had anything to offer. So Archangel Michael is just really great at just cutting through the crap, just cut through the crap, get to your juicy essence. Well, and so but we talk about that. So when you say, um, I mean, we, we talk about the, the synchronicities that were happening and then you, you see a miracle of the, the three birds flying around, like what then uh, is the next step? Or like, how do you, like, was it through meditation? Was it through prayer? Was it through, like, how then did um, you start go from just having a cool angel healing experience to the Archangel Michael stepping on my feet? <laughs> I know. Well, I just started playing more because then I, after the miracle, it was, you, you, well, you can put that back in a bag and pretend like that didn't happen. But because I was changing so much, like I said, the like years of my trauma was disappearing. I was waking up wanting to be awake and alive, wanting to engage in life. So I just kept in communion and kept kept doing um, just sitting with them and do, and that's where I kind of developed some of these rituals here of just opening up the space for them to come into my life. So slowly but surely, they guided me to different things and they guided me in my sessions to try different things that I had never tried. Like, hey, I'm going to just ask Archangel Michael to, to heal you. How about that? Like, that was really random for me. But, you know, I just learned to trust my intuition. And that's something that uh, is really important for us all that there's, you know, we, we kind of overemphasize just logic and just, you know, just logic and rational thinking, which is so great. Scientific revolution was, was amazing in a lot of different ways, but it's knocked the magic out of us. So, uh, so working with our intuition and really trusting that we have access to incredible things is a good start. So that's what I started to do. They, they started, you know, helping me see how important it was to trust my gut, my intuition, to listen to the good voice, the positive voice, and not, not all that negativity that's trying to constantly suck us down. When you were working with, um, some of your, uh, therapy patients, Mm-hmm. Like, when did you decide, when were you like, all right, uh, there's a lot of psychotherapists out there that can do the traditional stuff. When did you make the move to be like, I'm going to be the angel lady? <laughs> because that's, that's a big step, especially because you, to get to yeah. a, a therapist career, I know. it's a lot of school, a lot of time yeah. uh, and effort. And then to, uh, take this step and, and jump in to be like, I'm going to help people spiritually instead of just shrink their heads or whatever like that's a, like what was that you know when you were ready to go yeah yeah i mean that was a weird process but uh but not that weird it was actually pretty natural but i had to confront my pride 
and, yeah. uh, you know, and be willing to come out of the angel closet. I used to call it angel shame. I had angel shame. Like I wouldn't want to talk about it to anybody. And actually I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even tell anybody about the, the miracle for a couple of years. Right. And so, uh, but I knew what was happening to me and I started kind of like little guerrilla tactics in my office started, you know, being like, Hey, you want to do some angel work, you know, and see, see what happens. But because it really was because the results that people were having were so radical, I started uh, putting my education um, and my pride aside for the truth, because my goal was always to just help people. And I'm going to help them in the, the best way and the fastest way that I know how. And the spiritual and healing work that I was doing was freaking like working in lightning speed compared to let's just talk about your childhood for five freaking years. Right. And so, um, so we could handle it in 30 minutes or we could talk more for five years. How, what do you, what do you want to do? And so, yeah, that's how it started. But yeah, when I started coming out of the spiritual closet to my colleagues, that was really interesting because people had a lot of uh, judgment about that. And I knew they would. Well, and, and like, what? Well, how about your husband though, too? Because he's like, <laughs> you know, he's thinking, well, we're making good psychotherapist money. And I hope, I hope, you're, I hope your angels have a checkbook. <laughs> So I know it was awkward. Okay. He's very grounded, very traditional, very, you know, fact-based. And here I am going in this weird direction, wanting to invest in, you know, more in trainings that have nothing to do with my chosen career with money we don't have. And our house is going into foreclosure. And are you sure you need to go to this thing? And it's like, I, I just, it just seems like fun. I just, <laughs> I just feel like I got to go. And so, but here's the thing, you know, we've been at this now for, about 10 years. And he's, see, he's a believer now. He didn't start to be a believer, but he's watched me. He's watched what's happened in our life. And he, he sees like, okay, that, he sees miracles now. He can see it. Did he do any of the experiment? Did he like run? Does he ever come with you and be like, all right, I'll do some angel stuff with you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's so funny when I started getting, uh, gaining more popularity and having more success and people, you know, things were really happening for people. He would want to want an angel session with me. And I'd be like, you're going to have to book a session and I'm going to charge you double. Like I just <laughs> <laughs> like, no. So friends and family, you always charge double for stuff like that. Right. No, you don't give them a family discount. That's crazy. <laughs> not, not even the angels go for that. Like no. they, they understand. I know. It's just like, keep you got to keep your friends and family out of your practice for Pete's sake. They're nothing but headaches. But, uh, but no, he, he's a, he's a believer and he helps me a lot. He does. I, I do a, I have a member site where I do live. Uh, I send audios, uh, energy healing audios to people every Sunday. And he helps, he helps, uh, uh, edit those cause he's an audio designer. So he has radical, sometimes radical insights and experiences doing that. But you know, I don't try and force it on him. Uh, he doesn't, he's, he's just coming along for the sweet ride. Okay. Now, you know, earlier, um, I noticed you said that, uh, ghosts and spirits seem to have a different energy than angels. And you're like, Oh, I can tell when it's an angel versus a ghost. And then I'm like, put the brakes on for a second. And like, it was this something you had all did. Could you always tell? were you intuitive naturally? Like when you were younger, did you have any kind of experiences like that? No, not really. No, this is, this all got activated after the miracle happened. Like my, my, some of my spiritual gifts got activated. And the more that I did angel healing sessions with people, sometimes they would bring crossed over loved ones to come and talk to the person. If there had was some unfinished business there that needed to be healed. I didn't straight up like go, Oh, I'm going to be a medium. It's just that it's a byproduct of working with angels sometimes. So like when I train people how to do angel work, we do have to train them in mediumship too, just in case that happens. But yeah, when a crossed over loved one comes around, I was shocked because it's not, it, it, it just, it's like talking to just regular people. 
It's just talking to people. Um, but when angels kind of come in, there's a different thing. It's like a effervescence. And I, for me, I get more, um, physical, physical sensations like angel bumps, like, you know, there's feathers like stroking up and down my spine kind of thing. Um, but there's a palpable difference and, you know, knowing now, knowing a lot of intuitives and mediums, they all kind of agree. There's a whole different energy. None is better than the other. You just know, you know, just every, every being, including you has your own energy signature. Okay. And I'm just thinking about, cause I never have any kind of, I've never talked to anything from the other side or whatever. And, and so I, I always wonder, like, does it look like somebody's in the room? Does it a voice you hear in your ears? Is it like you said, so the, the angel bumps is a good description. So now we're getting some, you have a physical sensation, mm -hmm. um, that a sense that's out, you know, that like when I'm talking to you right now, I'm not stroking a feather down your back. Like <laughs> if you're having this thing and like, okay, so you you get that physical sensation. And then what does it sound like in your ears? Like, how do you get the the words correct? Yeah. Okay. So it all depends on what your gifts are, what your spiritual gifts are. So, uh, so some people are clear audience. They can actually hear spirit and hear the voices. Okay. Sometimes that can go South if you're not listening to the right voices. So you have to be careful if you're clear audience, don't listen to the bad guys. Right. But, um, clairsentience feelers can feel, uh, the, you know, and start discerning the, the energy. So let's say like I'm in a session, this is back in the day. I don't do a lot of one-on-one -on -one these days anymore, but I train people how to do it. Um, like one time I had, uh, I was doing an angel session and then I had someone start tapping me like, and it felt like a person tapping me on the hand, which had never happened to me before. So I stopped, I stopped the session and it was, uh, this person's mother-in-law who had crossed over a couple, maybe about a couple of months before that. So it can come in a lot of different ways. Sometimes I could, and when, so for me, a lot of it is just a feeling. I get a feeling of what's being said. I don't always hear. Sometimes I do hear. It just depends on really the, the being that's connecting with you and, and how you're choosing to receive it in that moment. But I learned like, don't sit and wait for a full apparition and, oh, because someone's going to hand you, you know, someone's going to tap you on the hand or whatever. Don't wait for all of that. Most of us do pick up on, on these things. Like I, I did not, I was not one of those people who was like, oh, I've been talking to dead people my whole life. Like, it, okay. you know, I meet, a lot, I meet a lot of those people. Uh, right. I know, I'm wondering I, mean, about it. I know you do, but this is why I talk about this so, so much is that we all have access to this stuff. It's just a matter of learning to reattune and open, fle start flexing those muscles. So Mike, literally you could take a training on in the weekend and talk to, talk to a dead person and have it validated more than likely within like a few days, you know, uh, I've never seen nobody. And I've trained hundreds of people all over the world. Uh, I've never seen anybody not be able to do it. It's just a matter of being interested in it, curious about it and letting yourself, um, get it wrong sometimes, you know? And so when people do, would go through like this, the angel experiment here, um, who do you feel out of the various angels and stuff in there? Are any of the angels, let's say, not necessarily amoral, but when you think about like the Lovecraftian view of a, like the indifferent universe, um, and you think these angels are spirits on a different, or creatures are on a different level. And even in the Christian, Judeo-Christian hierarchy, there's, uh, you know, angels are separated from humans as God's like first creation and stuff. Like, are all the angels on our side or are some angels like they'll help you if they feel like it? You know, you think even the Greek gods, when you think about the Greek gods, there's some Greek gods that are like really want to do stuff for humans and some Greek gods that think of humans begrudgingly. Yeah. 
So, yeah. are, so are these angels different personality wise? Yeah. Well, you know, I there's more than so I, I'm working with archangels, but there's like tons and tons of angels out there, and some of them are considered fallen angels. So. Um, so we don't necessarily work with those, but they are constantly kind of in our space trying to get us to do, trying, trying to get us to do things that we're ashamed of, or we don't like, or they're, you know, kind of in our ear telling us to hate ourselves and stuff like that. Or that's what I found. That's what I've, uh, that's my belief at this stage in the game. Um, but well, that's what I was thinking about because you have a day where you like contact Azrael and like in dogma, Jason Lee plays Azrael and he's like a fallen angel. Uh, yeah. and so in, but in your cosmology, Azrael's still on our side. Well, Azrael. Okay. I think, you know, people might misinterpret Azrael because he helps with the threshold of death, meaning he helps uh, people who are crossed over get to the other side. And he also helps alleviate grief. Uh, so, so Osriel, I, d- I don't have a negative energy or a negative, but, but again, this stuff is like for us to really discover for ourselves. These are angels that I feel are benevolent. And sometimes I feel like we don't know how to enlist their help in a powerful way. And that's why they're not hearing us. It's not like, oh, I don't really like you. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But we, but we, but we, you know, cause again, it, you know, after years of doing this stuff and, and helping people through this, most people through these 21 day programs, especially if they actually finish them, will start gaining insights on their own and gaining inspiration. And let's say one day it doesn't feel like anything happened for you. It's just, it's still adding to this alchemy in, in your heart, mind, and life. And so um, I do, it's freaking fun. It's just fun work and it's crazy and it gets crazy weird and awesome and miraculous and cool things happen for people. Well, yeah, I think also anytime that you're spending um, meditating, thinking, journaling on, and spending time directing your life in the you know correct orientation, uh, it's going to have a it's going to have a positive effect. Exactly. And, and you know, reading through your book, that's exactly the kind. It, it puts you. It puts people in that positive uh, orientation. I really thought. And as somebody, and I've seen a couple of things I, I think are miraculous. Um, and uh, but as someone like you, who's you, you know, you've experienced a bunch of miracles. Is there any one in particular that you were like? All right, this is the blockbuster miracle. Like that like I can't, you know, this this one that even I have a hard time believing. Uh yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to beat the, a bird dividing into three. Okay? That's a big one. I'm in with a big one. I'll give you the next one because it's so it's somewhat pertinent. It's pertinent to our conversation. Okay. When I was developing this book and and I you know, I've 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 created a lot of courses. I've done, you know, I, I usually don't have a problem finishing something, right? But this book was like haunting me and I just couldn't make myself finish no matter what. And so I sit with spirit and I was like, what's the dealio, right? Like why is this not working out and why can't I finish it? And they said it's because you you're trying to self-publish it and you're supposed to have a, a traditional publisher. You need to find someone to, to publish your book. And I was like, you know, okay, but yeah, I'm not going to, that's a lot of work. And I was super busy at the time. So I was like, okay, we're going to wait another three years then. So I was teaching this, I was doing this uh, week long ceremony. I brought 25 people out to the woods and we did all this good stuff out there. And I invited my friend to come and support um, the team or support the people there. And so on the way back, she's like, Hey, can we stop by my new client's house? And I said, sure. 
uh, you know, she's like, yeah, I just, she's from Canada, but he, he's lives right off the freeway on her way home. So can we stop? And I was like, sure. So turns out that this man, um, is the, the owner of the, the published new world library, the publisher who published my book, who's published amazing authors, you know, like Eckhart Tolle and stuff like this. So in that moment, mm-hmm. I was like, and it was about maybe about six weeks after, uh, after I, I, I was told you're going to get a publisher, you need a real publisher. So I was like, Oh my God, maybe this is it. Dang it angels. But I can't pimp myself out. Like I knew that if I went in there, I was not going to be able to say anything. Cause I, I just would freeze up, you know? So I told my friend, it's like, it's too bad because I can't actually tell him I have a book that needs to get published. And so he looks at me in the middle of a cappuccino that he made for us. And he looks right at me and he says, do you have a book? And I said, yes, I do. Thank you for asking. And I started, you know, on the inside, I was like, you know, 15 teenage girls jumping and <laughs> jumping, jumping for glee. On the outside, I just seemed very composed. Like, well, yes, I do. Thank you for asking. <laughs> but, but yeah, so that is was the beginning of, of how this book got published. Um, it still had to go through committee, but it was like, whoa, it was like weeks after they told me I'm going to get a publisher. So that kind of thing. Um, has happened a lot. No, I, I love to hear about little synchronicities like that. And I, um, it's been a pleasure talking to you today, Corinne. And I want to thank you very much for joining us. Now, obviously, uh, we're going to have links to the book and Corinne's website at the show notes, othersidepodcast.com slash 275. But if you are too lazy to go to the show notes and you just want to go in your browser and find her right now, Corinne, where can they find you? Uh, com. It's C-O-R-I-N-G-R-I-L-L-O.com. Um, or you can also find me on Facebook, uh, my Facebook page and find our community seven day miracle challenge in our, in Facebook. So you guys can uh, try that out for yourself and, uh, see what happens when you take the angel experiment, a 21 day magical adventure to heal your life. Corin's story of overcoming her melancholy and keeping fighting the good fight, even when she was thinking of quitting it all is heartening, whether you believe in angels or not. Her idea of everyday miracles that people can see in their own life is a way of showing gratitude for the good things that do happen. Her story, plus the thought of angels as warriors with flaming swords, was the inspiration behind this week's track, The Battle of Every Day. This is the battle of every day. This is the war to fight the urge to end the pain. This is a call to arms to say A hole in your head don't make you Hemingway Every day, every day We need more than a pair to make it go away Are you safe? Are you safe? Sometimes you want to disappear Sometimes you want to feel raised Tomorrow never comes We get one moment that we can never change Please just don't give up And the better angels of our nature will Fight for us one more day This is the battle of every day This is the conflict of willpower versus hurt This is the struggle where we pray For 
Listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Hello, friends. This is Wendy. And wow, I am looking forward to trying out that angel experiment. I'm thinking maybe that'll be a good resolution for the new year to try that 21 day challenge. So thank you so much to Corinne Grillo for joining us today and to Mike for the excellent job interviewing Corinne. Before we end this episode, I would just like to take a moment to thank you for listening to See You on the Other Side. We really enjoy creating these episodes. We love the inspiration that comes from the unique topics we cover, and and it's super fun to craft new Sunspot songs to go along with those topics. It does take a great deal of time and effort, so we genuinely appreciate that you include us in your playlist. Now, I would like to send some extra gratitude to our Patreon community of supporters. It's a really special group of people, friends of ours who kick in a little each month, and they don't just contribute money, which really does help in keeping this operation going, but they're also constantly in communication with us about the specific paranormal topics they're interested in, questions and things they'd like us to dig deeper into, and also just fun sharing of things like articles and books and videos that are within the paranormal uh, world we love. If you would like to join our community... It's very easy to do. Just visit othersidepodcast.com slash donate, and you'll see some options for that. One of our Patreon members, Dr. Ned, is pledging at a membership level where he's basically an executive producer of the show. And for that, he gets extra credit each week. So thank you so much, Ned. Your contribution to this production is really, truly such a huge help, and your support and your being there and cheering us on along the way always means so much to us. Once again, if you'd like to join our community, please visit othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful week ahead. Boiling the eye of Newt, like make sure it's boiled.